This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the program. Happy uh, Wednesday. You've made it halfway through the week. That's a good sign. Weekend uh, closer than in the rear view mirror, at least, so you'll take that. The Denver Broncos were practiced today as uh, they are down at the Valley. I was out there and caught practice today, and uh, there are plenty of things to talk about, but we will uh, start with where the Broncos spent their money. Uh, primarily, it was on both lines, and we did see some of the interactions today down uh, uh, down at Dove Valley when the team was on the practice field. But they spent the money, the big money, on the O-line when you're talking about right tackle Michael Glinchy and left guard Ben Powers. And there are plenty of reasons to believe that that could be a difference maker, not only for the running game. Obviously, McGlinchey, a good, very good run blocker. Pass blocking is actually maybe a bit of a, a comparative weakness for the, the money that the Broncos spent, but an outstanding run blocker. Power's pretty good at both. Um, Garrett Bowles, a good run blocker. Uh, pass blocker, again, a bit of, of the challenge there. But they are trying to invest in this line because, Sandy, if you go back and you look at Russell Wilson last year, and I just take the pro football focus numbers, for example, to take a look at what was good and bad with Russ. And, and yeah, you take all those with a grain of salt. But throwing the deep balls, and we've talked about why they need to maybe be fewer of those, but he rated out at 84.9 out of 100, which is still very, very, very good. One of the best in the league on balls that travel 20 or more yards down field in the air. Uh, he was actually a little bit better. When you're talking about behind the line of scrimmage and short passing, it is the 10 to 19 yard range that was the problem. But that part also comes into the, the nature of pressure. Because when pressured, for example, when under pressure, Russell Wilson was 51.6, which puts him in the bottom half dozen of qualifying quarterbacks. Now, the interesting part of that is not that he's much better with a clean pocket, most guys are. It is that he is also very good when he's being blitzed. 71.2 among the best in the league. Not blitzed, however, 61.9. What defenses Nobody have learned. Nobody the Broncos. Right. Year. And what defenses <laughs> have learned is Russell Wilson likes to throw the ball deep. And that's about the they only way that they're going to gonna beat you. So they, they go ahead and do the, the Vic Good Fangio. quarterbacks and good teams. Two, good offensive yeah. teams get blitzed. Two safeties high. Bad teams don't. And just don't let the Broncos beat them. But teams were getting way too much pressure with base defenses way too much last year. And the Broncos understood that, and that's why they invested in the offensive line the way they had. This, to my mind, and, and we can dance around all of the other parts of it, but football's still a game one on the line, Sandy. It's one of the line of scrimmage. And if the Broncos' offensive line is not vastly improved, the offense isn't going to be vastly improved, no matter what Wilson does. This is a sign of the times, and I will not suggest for a moment that it pertains only to the Broncos, only to Sean Payton, both during his days in New Orleans and now here with the Broncos. But the idea these days in the contemporary National Football League is that along the offensive line in particular, bigger is always better. Given the history of the Broncos and the fact that they were the last Super Bowl champion not to have had a lineman, any lineman, right. weigh 300 pounds, and that was way back in Super Bowl 33 in 1998, the year the Broncos almost went undefeated, finished 14-2, and two, swept through the playoffs, 
demolishing Miami, the Jets, and finally Dan Reeves, Atlanta Falcons at Super Bowl 33 in Miami. The offensive line on that 1998 team from left to right, left tackle Tony Jones, age 32, 6'5", 290. Left guard Mark Schlereth, age 32, 6'3", 282. Setter, Tom Nalen, 27 years old, 6'3", 286. Right guard Dan Neal, 25 years old, 6'2", 285. And right tackle Harry Swain at the age of 33, 6'5", 290. The two tackles weighed 290. The guards weighed somewhere between 280 and 285. I'm sure the weights varied, but generally stayed in that range throughout the season. And Nalen weighed slightly more than 285. Again, probably that varied, maybe slipped under 285 at some points, maybe got up to 287, 288 at other points. But the Broncos did not only... not have a lineman who weighed 300. They didn't have a lineman who weighed more than 290. Unprecedented. Even even in those times, it was, I believe, the smallest offensive line in the league at the time. It was. You yes, doing 25 years ago. That was small. Mm-hmm. It was. At the present time, and this is based largely on a piece Nick Cosmider wrote for The Athletic, came out today. Left tackle, Garrett Bowles, age 31, 6'5", 300. Left guard, Ben Powers, 27 years old, 6'4", 310. Center, Lloyd Cushenberry, age 26, 6'4", 315. Right guard, and here's the kicker, or the whopper, Quinn Miners, age 25, 6'3", 340, up 20 pounds from last year. Wow. And if you have gone out to practice, you have seen Quinn Miners with his yeah, belly, belly in full view. Sure, yeah. Right tackle, Mike McGlinchey, age 28, 6'8", 315. And actually, 315 for a guy 6'8", uh, yeah. is surprisingly light. The 6'8 guy is outweighed by the 6'3 guy playing next to him on the right side of the offensive line by 25 pounds, even though the right tackle is five inches taller, not three, five inches taller than the right guard. Again, I understand that this offense is different from the outside zone concepts of Mike Shanahan back in 1998. I understand there's a difference yeah. today generally in the NFL. But isn't that astounding? There is a 10-pound weight difference at left tackle, not much, between today and 25 years ago. There is a 28-pound difference at left guard. The setter now is 29 pounds heavier than the setter was then. The setter... Looking to his right, sees Quinn Miners, who in 2023 outweighs Dan Neal, circa 1998, by 55 pounds. And the right tackle, McGlinchey, outweighs the former Bronco Harry Swain 
by 25 pounds. Keep in mind, too, a guy like Lloyd That Cushenberry. was the best offensive line in the league in 1998. What, this what, will issue? not be the best offensive line in the NFL in 2020. Think, think about that. The, the issue for, say, Lloyd Cushenberry has been, oh, he needs to get bigger and stronger. He's 315. <laughs> yeah. how, how much bigger do you want him to be? Right. He's 6'4 and 315. Yeah. He's two inches taller than his right guard, who outweighs him by 25 pounds. It has gone to the point where the average offensive lineman in the NFL, regardless of position, is six foot five. Average. Right. Now, it, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't that much different in 98 from left to right. Six five six three six three six two six five. Mm-hmm. So I mean, linemen were tall. They just weren't. Yeah, thick. Yeah, they, they weren't, weren't. They weren't having monsters. this average. Though. They yeah. were mobile. Three fifteen is an pull. average now. Three fifteen is the average. It's yeah. in fact three hundred fourteen point eight two. If you want to be particular, three hundred fifteen pounds is the average weight. Uh, and of an I don't know what the lineman. average weight was in nineteen ninety eight across the NFL, considering every offensive line in the league, but I'm guessing it might have been 295 average weight. The Bronco average weight was something like 285, 286, 287, somewhere in that range. There are only 14 offensive linemen in the NFL today. Right. Not starters, just in the NFL. (laughs) 14 offensive linemen that are under 300 pounds. Yeah. In total. Uh, the lightest, and keep in mind, you know, it depends on the the lightest is Aaron Brewer at 274. Then Sean Harlow of the Cardinals at 284. Ryan Newsdale of the Falcons at 290. These are not all pros, by the way. Right. We're doing. <laughs> it's talking about. But I mean, there you go. There are there there are only 14 guys under 300. Can, but there are only find, two under 290. Can you find Trent Williams for me? Sure. Okay. I and I may be totally off on this. I don't think he is unusually big by today's six, five, standards. 6'5", six, exactly, exactly average height, 6'5", five, 5 pounds over the league average in weight. 6'5", 320. Okay. So he's not. So essentially, he, he's, he's, he's the best he's tackle. He's awfully close to the average Any year size. he's healthy. Mm-hmm. He's the best tackle in the game. He's an all-pro. You can pencil him in almost before you pencil in anyone else for first-team all-pro honors. Yeah. At the tackle position. Boy, oh, certainly. Yeah, I, I was thinking across the league at any position, you almost. Oh could. no, no, no. I'm. I. I. I mean. Tens on I, 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 I emphasize the wrong syllable. <laughs> uh, I, I, I meant he's the first guy you pencil in any place at left tackle. Yeah, but but yeah. the way I emphasized it made, made it sound like I was saying among left tackles or among all tackles. Yeah, among, no, among I, all I meant, NFL he's, players. He's a guy. I, I I wouldn't even pencil him in. I'd write oh, yeah. his name in ink. If he's healthy and I'd cross all year, it out in ink if he gets hurt yeah. somehow and doesn't play. That's uh, so for the Broncos. Obviously, this is a big part of the equation. It has been forever. It is every single year. But there are uh, teams that are switching things over. For example, in Baltimore, of uh, four of the twelve biggest linemen in the NFL play there. Daniel Faalele is six eight three eighty. Ben Cleveland is six six three seventy. Kevin Zeitler is six four three thirty nine. He, he's the tiny one. And last year, one of them, on Denver Bronco, played there as well in Ben Powers, who's 6'4", 338. So you're, you're talking about a, a, a lot of different situations in which the teams are getting bigger yeah, and stronger. I, I'd have to 
double check Powers' weight because he's listed as three ten now. Yeah, yeah. They, they at one point he listed it, uh, earlier in his career in the three thirties, and he's dr- dropped. He's dropped. Since then. Well, good yeah. for him for mobility purposes. Actually, I think that's good. I'm not sure, and I understand. I read the piece that uh, Miners is saying I feel more athletic now with this extra weight. That this this is exactly the right weight for me. I felt I was struggling at 320 to sustain myself mm-hmm. last year. Okay, most of the time, I think losing weight is better than gaining weight. I mean, it depends very heavily on your offense, right? If your offensive style is is going to be more, I guess I would argue collegiate. I guess you can just you know shove guys out of the way, but NFL offenses don't work that way because NFL defenses don't work that way. The athletes you have are, are, are nimble and athletic and have the ability to move in all sorts of different ways. And so there are different ways to do it. For example, uh, you know, you can't, uh, we're not allowed to talk about specifics out there, but but fans saw it. At one point, they were running drills, and and uh, the Broncos ran to the left, and Mike McGlinchey took the player who was going to the outside, didn't really necessarily block him per se, but sort of herded him. Right. Around the around the back, so took him just took him out of the play. Technique. Right, a very common technique. There's nothing unusual about it, but that's the idea where I I guess you get the size can give you that edge because right. you, you right. don't necessarily I, have to be speedy. Right. You have to be able to force him to not go through you for a basically a half a second to let your guy get past him. And so that some of that all works that way. It's interesting. But yesterday, Garrett Bowles um, ended up taking the podium and talked about. Uh, his particular goals, and I mentioned he was, you know, by the way, the, the GB zone. He's always in the GB zone because, of course, he is. He's Garrett Bolts. So, I mean, Sandy's always in the SC zone. Who else's zone would he be in? Uh, I don't Other know. Other than the GB zone. But uh, Garrett Bolts talked about his extremely lofty expectations and then maybe uh, rather wisely uh, scaled them back. My job is just to be the best left tackle in football. And not only that, but be the best left tackle of the Denver Broncos. I mean, I'm. I'm not going to set my ceiling too high. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and go to work. Um, you guys know that. I love when my back's to the wall. I love when people doubt me. Um, I love when everyone doubts me um, because that's just when I'm going to play my best football. I've been doubting my whole life. It's, it's nothing new to me. So um, let the haters hate and let me do what I need to do. Um, that just fuels my fire. So um, I'm just going to go out there and play the best I can. I, I, I have the people I need in my room to be successful. I have a great left guard, a great center, a great right guard, great right tackle. Um, we have a great up five for him. We have a great quarterback, great receivers. Um, it's just my job to do whatever I can to to help. You know, if I'm playing my best football, we're going to win a lot of football games. So um, I just got to be consistent every single day. Um, I'm giving my all every single day, and I'm going to fight my ass off. So um, you guys know that's how I am, and I, I'm going to bring that dogma talent and do whatever I can to help this team win. I appreciate Garrett Bull's relentless positivity. Come on, so man. maybe I'm maybe I'm not a maybe maybe I'm going to sound like a hater here. But if Come I on, if, if I were to go online right now and go to ChatGPT and tell the AI what should an average NFL player say at a press conference, and you're being generous in describing him as average, I, I mean that's I really what it sounded so. like. Well, I'm going to play really hard. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be a dog. I have great yeah. teammates. Uh, right. I'm going to be the best I can. I mean, it, it was like every single the the only remark the cuff, he kind of pulled back from. Was I going to be the best left tackle in the league? And then he quickly changed. More importantly, caught himself. Yes. More importantly, he said, best tackle I can be for the Broncos. And then he also, okay. then immediately after that but, said, I'm not going to set yeah, my size too high, which is the, maybe the, the one that so, maybe doesn't the, come up in the chat GPT. The, the, things you the, say at the, the so-called, I don't know, 
haters have been right five years out of six with Garrett Bowles. And the only year that it wasn't was 2020 where when hold, nobody was watching and holding was intentionally for the league's point de- de- emphasized in which the holding calls were down 53 percent that no, year I, Garrett Bowles had led the league in holding I, ever since he came into this career to that point I think we all should be accountable things. for what we say at certain times of course and in 2020 when people said wow they're just not calling holding my response was the same as it's always been Garrett Bowles holds in a way that is obvious even to the most obtuse observer. He tackles people. His holding penalties are obvious. So even in a league that de-emphasized holding, even in 2020, they had to call holding when you tackled somebody. Yes. Okay. He was better that year and he had Mike Munchak as his offensive line coach. He seemed to respond to Munchak after one year with him. The second year, Bulls seemed to respond to Munchak's coaching. And Reisner's presence at left guard, which was mentioned by Garrett Bulls to his credit quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And talking about his improvement, he gave credit to both Reisner and Munchak in equal measure. Okay, fair enough. One terrific year, and it was not minimized, uh, at, at least as far as I describe it. Fact of the matter is, I also said at the time, we'll see in 2021 whether this holds. A lot of average players have a career year. Sure. Where they, and it's an outlier, and it's quite a bit better, or for a great player, maybe one off year, where he doesn't play, for whatever reason, up to standard. And you don't look at outliers, generally speaking. And for a player in his 20s, you don't look at a career year that's better than the norm Mm -hmm. or an off year that's worse than the norm and say that defines the player. So to me, he had to do it again in 2021 to establish himself even as a perennial pro bowl caliber player. Forget about all pro. And he was all pro. He did play that well Mm -hmm. in 2020. He did not play that well in 2021. And Mike Munchak was still the offensive line coach. 2022, new offensive line coach. 2023, new offensive line coach again. I said the other day, I think we were talking with Cody. And I said, the one defense of Garrett Bowles is, with the exception of Munchak, who was his coach for three years, he's had to deal with coaching changes along the offensive line in particular virtually every year in his defense. But when people start talking, and Dalton Reiser did this too, although more in a collective sense than an individual one, about haters implying that they're always wrong and in the end, we the players know best and I'm telling you, we're going to be good and we're going to do great things and 
the last thing most of us will remember about Dalton Reisner as a Denver Bronco is getting into a silly sideline slap fight with Brett Rippon. Neither Brett Rippon nor Dalton Reisner are with the Denver Broncos anymore. No. Dalton Reisner visited the Minnesota Vikings, did not come away with the contract. Give this to Garrett Bowles, though. First, a total flags. First three years. 15, 12, and 17. That's 2017, 2018, or 2019. Since then, 2027, 9, and last year, 6. So that part of his game Only because has. he was hurt for quite a bit last year. Yeah, well. <laughs> he didn't play a lot. Uh, the, the trend is at least going in the somewhat right direction. It's your program as well. 303-831-1340 is the number. Want to know what you think. We'll get back to more of the Denver Broncos and what is next. Uh, talk a little bit about Russell Wilson as well. Right next to Miley Sports. Makes me feel fine Blowing through the jazz Going to my Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Okay, wait a minute. Danny Bailey came in right, right as the sax part hits. It's Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. I realize we just went out to Seals across. So is Danny Bailey, are you doing a Yacht Rock Hump Day in there? I am indeed. A Yacht Rock Hump Day for your smooth sail into the weekend? Look at you. Man is a maestro. So, uh, late nineteen seventies, right? Yeah, the maestro. Seventy eight. This would have been, I believe, this is nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, Baker Street. I think that's right. Yeah, Jerry Rafferty, the former uh, lead singer Steelers Wheel, the uh, yes. stuck in the middle with you song that everyone's uh, very familiar stuck with. Stuck in the middle with you, right? That that was uh, that was Rafferty's a solo artist, not playing the saxophone, but you know the other part that we didn't hear where he sings. The Denver Broncos today out doing red zone work a little bit uh, in front of the crowds out at uh, Dove Valley. And um, a good time was had by all because they have altered the directions of the fields. And it actually, when they're playing on that front field, it's really great for the fans. So give the, I, I really give them a lot of credit for that. So it, it's become I, more I, fan I, friendly. I will not make the all direction team, but it's, it's more north south. Yeah, east, well, west. yeah, it's more north south than east west. Yeah. I mean, you know, everything is Denver. So it's all we're already a little bit wackadoo when it comes to the uh the cardinal directions in the in the state in the town in particular but yes they, they went a little more north south uh along the length of the the long uh berm in which people sit and so right. a little better view and so you got to see a lot of uh, the red zone work today and as, as sean payton put it uh when talking about the red zone he said quote we're in an installation pattern so as we install we continue to see the things don't always match. We may not run things if we're playing Denver's defense, but it's in the installation schedule. Throughout this training camp preseason, you see some things that are doing well, things you don't feel comfortable out about constantly building up the memory bank of what you're seeing and how we're executing it. It was our first day in the red zone. The trick there is you have to be good running the football. Uh, Russell Wilson threw an interception uh, again in the, in the red zone, and uh, he's thrown a couple interceptions in practice, uh, for the most part, uh, Kwan Williams got him today, even though Williams didn't practice for a lot of it, was dressed but didn't on the field for a ton, but came in and, and did pick him off. And uh, he he was asked specifically about Wednesday's practice and in true Sean Payton form, which you know, I sort of actually like this much of a 
a circuit background. He said, you're asking me to graze today's practice? Today was a nice day. The temperature's good. We had a good crowd. But was asked specifically about Wilson's performance and interceptions. His response, and I'm reading you the entire response, yeah, no big whoop, he's doing fine, end quote. Practice is practice, and I get that. And and Russell Wilson could throw 10 interceptions in practice, and Sean Payton would say the same thing. And I'm not saying he'd be wrong in saying that. But no coach. And, and was it Jimmy Garoppolo the year he was coming off injury and the 49ers came here? And, boy, it, it was later in camp, and he was really bad. And Kyle Shanahan was completely nonplussed. I mean, didn't worry at all over it. And he he must have thrown I remember almost in succession. Yeah. You remember? I do. It, it seemed like four or five passes yeah, in a row it was they were picked off. It was really I mean, bad. He didn't look and, and, and totally healthy. Little, uh, be totally shrugging. Yeah. No okay. big deal. No, no, he's he's recovering and this is part of it. I, I think that's a little bit too is they're trying to get used to this new offense and as Wilson in particular has to change the way he plays. I've noticed that a couple of those are happening uh, over an area of the fields that he doesn't traditionally use all that much. And and so, to an extent, that's kind of where I'd expect. Uh, you're running different plays. You're doing something you're not accustomed to. Mistakes will happen. And on top of that, when you're talking about practice, the other part would do evaluate that as a fan. You know, practice, oh, no, Russell Wilson threw an interception. Well, yeah to one of the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos being able to make interceptions is good, right? I mean, it's you, you have I, to kind I, of I just, parse it a little I, bit. I'll tell you what. If I'm practicing, it, it, you know, I've talked about this a lot. It's my favorite all-time line about training camp. Peggy Shanahan a few years back when the 49ers were in, and she's out there with Mike and then watching Kyle. Mike's the proud father. We're standing side by side, and Mike's, telling me about all the things that Kyle is directing out of practice, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And I always enjoyed listening to Mike talk about football and uh, he departs and Peggy comes up by me and says, you've seen one practice, you've seen them all. And so I, I am not one to put a great amount of faith uh, in what happens on the practice field as being indicative of, as they say, future performance, especially in these early days. When Having you said have, that, yeah, okay. Having said that, okay. I would just love for the first time in six or seven years to see maybe one or two days in a row where the offense looks decent in relation to the defense. And I don't know that we've seen more than a handful of practices in the last seven training camps, including this one so far, in which you could say that for a day or even two days in a row, the offense was better than the defense, showed up better than the defense did. I can't and really say I I've don't seen that think too yet. that's too much to ask uh, for the thousands of people who are showing up to watch practice virtually every day uh, and have been regular attendees over the past six or seven years, I doubt I'd be contradicted on that. And, I mean, listen, uh, it works the other way, too, with some teams, I suppose. But 
I can't imagine over a stretch that long that a defense in the preseason has been as dominant as Denver's defense has been. And Denver's defense has been, I would say, of B quality over that seven-year stretch or six years if you don't want to count this year. But they've looked like an A, almost an A-plus defense in preseason. And that's why I think the defense often, not always, often is overrated because people get excited at how they look during the preseason. And you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, it it it, it, it uh, doesn't matter uh, because practices are just practice and you're throwing in your installation stuff and, you know, you wouldn't necessarily run those same plays against Denver's defense if you were playing Denver's defense uh, in a game. But, but you, you, you can't let the the offense off the hook and then turn around and say, well, you know, the offense is actually pretty good. The defense is just great. Yeah. And and it, 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 <laughs> and then the regular season starts and the defense is good, but it's never been great over the last six years. I, I think in some ways, the 2016 defense, remember, still a defense coordinated by Wade Phillips in 2016 mm-hmm. before they fired him at the end of the year. Right. Won't even begin to get into that. But the 2016 defense is actually still pretty good, even though DeMarcus Ware hardly played at all in 2016, which turned out to be his final season. DeMarcus, of course, going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, this weekend and will be presented by Jerry Jones. And it, it, it it's one of those instances. I can't recall this happening with any other player since Jerry Jones has been the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. If it had been up to DeMarcus Ware's first coach in Dallas, who happened to be Bill Parcells, DeMarcus Ware would not be going into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Bill Parcells didn't think DeMarcus Ware could play a lick. Oops. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones did. And since Jerry Jones was the owner, DeMarcus Ware stayed with the team. And who was the head coach under whom DeMarcus Ware prospered in Dallas? Somebody named Wade Phillips. Yeah. I think it was the same guy. Well... Wade Phillips uh, has, at least at the core of his plan, a rather straightforward objective. See ball, get ball. And for the players who are good diagnosticians who can recognize where that ball is going to be, you can be an extraordinarily effective player. Bill Parcells is put on Mount Rushmore when it comes to defensive coaches mm -hmm. much more often than Wade Phillips is. Yes. And yet, in the case of DeMarcus Ware, Bill Parcells thought he couldn't play, and Wade Phillips thought he was a Hall of Famer. Right. Wade Phillips was right, and Bill Parcells was dead wrong the, about DeMarcus Ware. And that's a, that's a big wrong. The Broncos, that's a big that's guy a big to get one. wrong. You, you, yeah. yeah, and it, 
the Broncos' pass rush is a big part of that. In the early parts of practice, when the defense, and by the way, Frank Clark has missed the last uh, two practices. Sean Payton was asked about that, and he just said it's a uh, a club decision as to why uh, he's not out there. I don't yeah. know necessarily what that means. Nobody knows what that means. Um, by and large, when it's a couple days in a row, that tells me there's just something the, personal the be- that needs to be attended Tell me to. if I'm wrong. The best defensive player, day in and day out in camp so far, who's shown the most, and again, I'm not talking about any offensive weaknesses that have made the guy look good. It is the guy who's been the most noticeable, mm-hmm. Zach Allen. Yeah. Day no. after day after day. And that's great because they, they made He's it, been the best player. The Broncos the have made day a bet there when they day. when they moved on from Draymond Jones and signed Zach Allen. They made a bet that Zach Allen was about to blossom. Uh, no less of a luminary than J.J. Watt felt that that was the case as well. And so perhaps there is, uh, there's reasons for optimism there. Uh, you know, Clark's missed a couple of days of practice, but I think that's actually in some ways okay because I'm really not worried about a guy like a veteran like Frank Clark picking it up. Now that you've lost uh, Uvazirike for the year and lose some of your depth there, I think if Clark's has a personal thing or is missing a couple of days for whatever, that's just more opportunity for other younger guys to right. get the reps. I agree. I don't this think that's a bad aside. thing. Um, can we safely say now that Uazurike was not subtle about his game? Uh, no, not clever. Uh, bet on 35 yeah. Bronco games. Five Bronco games. But a numerable number of, <laughs> seemingly yeah. a numerable number of Iowa mm-hmm. games. And and apparently uh, Broncos player props. Okay. Which well. you'd uh, presumably have a pretty good idea of some inside there. They don't really like that idea, but yes. Uh, yeah, not subtle. Pretty, it was not very subtle. Pretty hard to uh, hard to mess. Tried to figure that you weren't going to get is, caught. What is going on at Iowa and Iowa State with all these gambling issues? I, I, I'm reading today a backup kicker. That is interesting, has been isn't it? Sanctioned for betting. Yes, they haven't. I, I mean, they haven't tightened kicker. the uh, haven't tightened things up. I guess out there, make it clear they're not supposed to do that. Jeez, what's guys. going on in Iowa City and Ames? Well, is something in the water? Let me tell you, not enough. I guess. Uh, yeah, play, that's players, what I was about to say. It's players saying, are not gambling going fiends. On. I mean, they're gambling fiends. Kind of you have a quarterback, right? Yeah, the Iowa State quarterback. Am I right? I think that's right. But yeah, there has been a lot of news coming out of that. Who's up to reason. his knees in gambling problems? Kind of, yeah. But, but I mean, in this case, the Broncos get the depth. An opportunity there with Frank Clark missing a couple of days. Not worried about that. Sean Payton isn't either. I think it is really interesting to look at Payton in this case, who, a guy who's been there before, unlike first-time head coaches, and getting a little more perspective on practice. It's, it's practice. And you don't always necessarily even know what's going in there, and they're making mistakes, and you're trying to work out those mistakes. Um, you don't make too big a deal or... Or too little a deal out of it. You, you let them practice, and uh, you go ahead and look at it on the film, and then coach it up where you can. And that's the other part of of this training camp that I really appreciate. Sean Payton does something that we have not seen for a few years. I don't know if it says more about Sean Payton or more about the three men who preceded him. I'll tell you next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy 
Sandy, looking at Broncos practice and going out of camp today and, and watching it again, a couple of things really stood out for me the way Sean Payton runs things compared to the previous three head coaches, all first-time head coaches. One of them, of course, Vance Joseph, is back as the defensive coordinator. But when there were mistakes in each of the last three first-timers, in Nathaniel Hackett and Vic Fangio and in Vance Joseph at times in practices, you would see practice sort of come to a stop for a moment as the coaches or, or the head coach would uh, instruct us to went wrong. That doesn't happen under Sean Payton's, that they're coaching completely on the sideline. They're not holding the entire practice up for a mistake. They're either, they're either pointing well, it on the sideline or... Wasn't Cody saying yesterday, though, when they broke the huddle and they were insufficiently swift moving to the line of scrimmage to only go back and huddle up again, huddle up again. break the right way? Yeah, huddle up again the right way. So, so th- it, there's it, been moments. He'll, he'll do some teaching. If it's, if it's really bad, if it's bad, he'll show he'll, but, he'll but in that do case, he'll make you all do it again. But there were, if a guy jumped off sides, if there were uh, mistakes like that right. that happened in the practice, uh, they just set it back up and go again. And then the next time that player went back, you'll notice that a coach took him aside and, right. and kind of started pointing things out. And that provides more when when now the negotiated because the CBA the number of times that you have to practice the number of total hours you got on the practice field the type that that gets those minutes actually matter and Peyton's team practices at a brisk pace they hit up unto the level of the CBA level they weren't hitting guys to the ground today but they were hitting and the other part of it that I think is that fits in with what we talked about with Cody just uh, basically a couple of us were looking down to our watches, you know, trying to figure out whether a little break might be. We're all taking notes. And, uh, you know, they ought to take a break for a quick stretch at probably around 1030. Whistle hits. Take the guys to the field. Do a little quick stretch. Looked at my watch. At about 1030. 1030. On the button. This is run precise. This well, is this is this is a camp that is reminiscent run. of Kubiak to an extent and certainly Shanahan. That, there are schedules. Like. The schedules are maintained. Right. That's what's happening. I, I think John Fox ran a reasonably uh, tight ship. Uh, Vic Fangio paid attention to half of what was going on in practice and caught up on film with the other half later on in his office, at least when it came to the quarterback competition in his final year here, the so-called quarterback competition. Um uh, I don't. It, it, last year was a new uh, something I'd never seen before, and I understand that training camp is a different proposition now than it was forty-four years ago. Right. When I saw my first one here. I, I get that, but the tempo last year was so languid that it it was stunning to even the untrained eye. It was how physically demanding it was not <laughs> and just I, I mean i've seen strange things at training camp before but just on the basis of the tempo of practices alone nobody had seen a set of training camp practices such as we saw last year no one no one and so this year, maybe they're practicing a little faster than normal, but it seems like it's warp speed Boy, it compared really, it, to what it really does. they did last year. And that's year. where I think it becomes difficult at a point to tell, you know, <laughs> which uh, how much of this is, is 
Sean Payton doing something like, wow, or how much of this is the other guys before them going, uh, well, they kind of did it wrong. That's why they're not employed as head coaches. Uh, and it's probably a little bit of both, to be totally honest. But, but I, I, Payton I'll, I'll clearly take it. seems I'll, I'll to run. take his word for it that he's always trained this way. Yeah. And, and, and seems to run a pretty uh, a, a tight ship there. So I think that's very, very interesting. And it's telling. And I think when you're looking at uh, trying to change the culture, that's this is the time to do it. Uh, it, it is it is easier. I was talking to a couple ex players today uh, up there around practice. I was watching practice with, and and they concurred. It is easier to get a guy to slow down instead of speed up. And if you're playing at a, at a quick pace, it is easier to get a guy to slow things down and say, okay, you know what, you, that's you, it's great, but I need you to take a little more time, slow down your steps, you know, diagnose the play, than it is to get a guy to go faster. So we, practicing fast helps. We know during the season you'll practice fast because you have to. The games are that much faster mm-hmm. in the regular season, so you have to practice that, that way. In the preseason – especially if you're not playing starters very much and perhaps not at all, the, the games don't proceed at a pace that is all commensurate with what you'd see during the regular season. So, that, but, but what I didn't understand last year, forget about the games. You know once the season starts, you have to practice faster. Mm-hmm. Why are just do it now. You, you think guys are, are, are going to just adjust and a- almost by 180 degrees to the slowest of slow to the fastest of fast? They just flip like that? Well, no, you don't. Or you get injuries that way. Yeah. Because guys really aren't, haven't been trained to practice at that pace. Right. And all of a sudden during the sea, everybody has to practice. And what did the Broncos have issues with the last couple of years? Dramast- a, a, a disaster situation? Yeah. Guess what? Injuries, right? So when, when you're asking these guys to do something that they they normally don't do. And that may be an explanation of the tolerance for mistakes, too. That mm-hmm. If you're going to make We're mistakes, make full them speed. at full speed. Make them at full speed. You can correct those. And uh, that part, I think, matters as well. So I, I think when you look at the way that he runs these practices, again, this is more reasons for optimism because I think when you're looking at the way he runs, it, it's it's very, very different than the rest of the way that we've seen in the last couple of years with the Broncos. And so there's value there. And I think it, it is those it is a lot of little things that add up to bigger things. And the little things are actually the stuff that Vic Fangio talked about that were important, Sean Payton actually cares about. And that is going to be another reason for for Broncos fans to believe. I think that this team is going to be able to improve. uh, I'm not going to say rapidly because that depends on their roster. But I think this team, which looked discombobulated or unprepared for an alarming number of football games and alarming number of situations within football games. Those days, I think, are nearing an end. Now, whether the Broncos are good enough to execute at the level that can they beat their opponents, uh, I don't know yet. But this isn't going to be a team that's struggling to get in his play calls. This isn't going to be a team that gets confused at what they should do late in late in half or end of game situations. This isn't a team that's going to have that anymore. Uh, and that 
those kind of things on the margins. The Broncos lost a lot of one-score games. They lost a lot of games on the margins. Is this enough to make up that gap between those losses to wins? No, I'm not going to tell you it is because I don't believe it is. But it's one of the things that eventually leads to it. The roster couldn't be turned around in one year. But the way the team is coached and the way the expectations are set, that can be. So that's one of the things that when you're seeing even these early returns, that's a good sign for the Broncos. This looked like, for the first time in years to me, Sandy, each time I've been out there, and especially today with pads, I don't mean it as harshly as it sounds, but this looked like an NFL practice. <laughs> and I'm not sure the last couple of years I could say that. No, I, I don't know what it looked like, but it didn't look like any NFL practice I had ever seen. And it wasn't just one day or one week. It was throughout training camp. It was for three weeks straight. And the question coming out of it was how on earth, forget about how they're going to play in the games. How are they going to practice once the season starts? Because you'll have to amp things up considerably. So, yes, they, they will be more professional in their demeanor, uh, the demands they're placing on the players, um, there'll be there'll still be plenty of time to study and uh, meet. Uh, the practices aren't very long, but they get a lot done, and they're run on time. And last year, it it just seems so laissez-faire. You know, you were out there, and we were both out there to, together watching because we were. Mm-hmm. Doing yeah. shows together, right? And I mean, and it, it wasn't just Wilson's people, but you know, it, people were coming and going as, as they pleased, walking around the field, and you're saying, "Who are these people?" And like family members, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> or or part of an entourage. I I, I mean, I, I I've never seen that for the most before. part. Of today, I mean, I mean it, it made me. There's family members and stuff, but for the days of Mister Fleming who uh, made sure that no one was even an inch out of place or a, or a foot, anyway, beyond where they should have been. <laughs> it made me long for the days. Uh, the, you know, the it's, good it's, old it's days funny you noticed now. that because I didn't really think about that until now. But, yeah, the, the, it was notable. People were strolling around to go anywhere they want. Now, the media when was the practice start, When everybody the practice started, everybody else started, went a, a, um, anywhere they wanted to go. Only players were on the field. Coaches rarely even stepped onto it. That, that was for players during practices. So another change there. Things are tightening up at Dove Valley. Want to know what you think? 303-831-1340 is the number for the Denver Broncos. Unfortunately, one of their rookies, they hoped to make an impact in the defensive backfield. That is not likely to happen anytime soon. I'll tell you about Riley Moss and what it means for the Broncos defensive backfield. Well, we'll knock that around next on Miley Sports. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.